So glad that you're here. Today is going to be awesome. If you're ready, say yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like to welcome everybody at Hartzell and Madison uh, and anyone watching online, maybe today or later this week. We're so glad that you're with us right here at Good Hope. Everybody, let's celebrate what Jesus has done, what he's going to do. Yeah. So we have been in a collection of talks that we're calling um, Nothing is Impossible. And this is so cool because when Pastor Jerry came back uh, from his prayer retreat as we were leading into the fall, I was one of the first conversations with him because we were thinking through creatively. And I just remember him saying that he really believed God was going to do some miraculous things this fall. So we've been, this is not just like a, a sermon title or something like that. It's really a season of our church where we believe that we're a house of miracles and we're going to see God do the miraculous. And so I love it today that you're coming into a place that is just expectant. Because when we're expectant, God shows up, does some really cool things. And so we, and we know that this is true because the Word of God says nothing is impossible with God. Yeah? Nothing is impossible with God. And so we're just coming in with our faith together, united, believing that nothing will be impossible with God. And I'm excited. Next week, Pastor Jerry's going to be be back. So I want to go ahead and tell you, make sure you come back next week. I hope that you'll just stay involved throughout this whole series, this whole collection, because we really want you to um, really get everything we have for you. We're going to be talking about things like Your financial crisis isn't impossible. I mean, come on, somebody. Uh, We're going to talk about your spiritual attack isn't impossible, and death isn't impossible with God. But today, I'm really excited to continue in this train of thought, and I get to talk to you from the subject, your sin isn't impossible. Woo! Everybody likes talking about sin, right? And so I need you to go ahead and do this. Just go ahead, ah, breathe, stretch, right? And say after me, say, Derek, I love you. I forgive you already. Today is awesome. Yes, I'm a sinner. But yes, I am saved. And today, my heart is open to receive what Jesus has. Yeah. That's good. Now, since you've already forgiven me, I'm about to hit you over the head with a hammer. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. No, we're going to talk about our sin because you know that sin separates us from God. That is what sin does. But what I love about God and what I love about uh, church and this church and really the family of faith and really just Jesus is that he chooses people we wouldn't choose, and his kingdom is upside down to how I would run it if I was in charge, and probably to how you would run it. God does it. He has an upside down kingdom. That's just who he is. That's how he operates, and we're a part of his kingdom, y'all. That's pretty cool, but it means that we don't operate like most people, like an earthly kingdom would operate, and when we look into the life of Jesus and his ministry, it's always been this way. When he came to earth, he didn't come with, with uh, all these kings gathering around him and, and ho- hoisting him up in this palace. No, he was in a manger. It was a humble beginning. And then he didn't come uh, to be served, but he rather came to serve. 
Now, that's totally different than the way I would do it, right? But that is his upside-down kingdom. And then, at his death, they weren't gathered around him, all these uh, uh, high people and and kings gathering around him, uh, singing songs as he passed away. No, he died a gruesome death as an innocent man on a cross because he's the God of the upside-down kingdom. And things look different in his kingdom. And he chooses differently than we would choose. And I love this because he picks people we wouldn't pick. He chooses the least of these. That's why we get to be a part of this upside down kingdom that thinks different, acts different, is different than our earthly kingdoms. This is the kingdom of God that he has established. So find your neighbor, find your neighbor, say, neighbor... Say, hey, neighbor, I'm looking good today. You looking good today. And you are chosen. Now find your second choice, your second choice. Say, hey, neighbor, I didn't pick you first. You are not my first choice. But it's okay, because God picked you first. He chose you. Aren't you so glad that when people don't pick you, And don't choose you first. God picked you first. He chose you first. You're a part of an upside-down kingdom that does not make sense. This kingdom doesn't make sense. It never has. It's upside-down. God uses weakness. He doesn't use our strength, but He uses our weakness to show that He is strong. It's upside-down. God does He says, those who are last are actually first. And those who are first are actually last. Those who are seem strong are actually weak. And those who are weak are actually strong. It's upside down. It doesn't make sense. God does big things with small things. He ignores the big things to prefer the small. It doesn't make sense. It's an upside down kingdom. He chooses upside down. And it's beautiful because in this upside down kingdom, things that look impossible are actually possible with God. Can you just celebrate that we're part of an upside-down kingdom? Come on, somebody. So what does this mean for people like me and you? It means that God has sent us, men and women like us, to turn the world upside down. That is our calling. That is his purpose for us. So here's his plan. His upside-down plan is to use imperfect people perfectly. And I love it. Because it doesn't say that you're perfect, but it says God's going to use you even though you're not perfect in a perfect way. And isn't that beautiful? Because nobody in the room is perfect. And we all have sin. And we all have stuff that tries to separate us from God. Yet still, God's plan in this upside-down way of thinking is to use imperfect, sinful people in a perfect way. Now, we're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. We all uh, mess up. We, we uh, struggle with sin. And if you think you don't struggle with sin, talk to me later. Because that's the sin you're struggling with. And we're going to talk about it, right? We all struggle with sin. Yet God sees us like his son, his daughter, fully restored, fully in alignment, fully complete. He sees us like we're Jesus who's sinless, yet we still have sin, are in a battle with struggling with temptation and sin. You with me? This is the beauty of the upside-down kingdom. 
that God doesn't view and see things like we would. Now the problem is, when we ignore our sin, when we have sin and we ignore it, and we push it to the side, and we start to kind of like protect it, you start to think, well, I don't want God to have this part of me. I don't want God to touch this. What happens is we create sinful strongholds. Now, a sinful stronghold is scary because it's a place in your life that God that has built up and it can create death in your life and to a lot of parts of your life. I defined it this way. It's a lie that Satan has established in our thinking that we count as true, but it's actually false. When we embrace these lies, they affect our attitudes, our emotions, and our behaviors. It's a, it often seems like a small thing, but if left unaddressed, can become a very big deal. So in Greek mythology, there is uh, a battle of the Trojan War. And it's the Greeks versus uh, they're fighting the people of Troy. And it looks uh, like the Greeks are retreating. In fact, one night, the Greeks start to leave in their ships. And they send a wooden horse, called the Trojan horse. You've probably heard of it. To uh, the people of Troy. And the people of Troy take the horse and as, as a sign that the Greeks have retreated, that they've left. They take the horse and they bring it inside of their city. Now what? And they started to celebrate. Because we've won! We've won! And what they didn't realize, though, was inside the horse, there were some Greek army people, some good soldiers that were actually hidden inside of this horse, this Trojan horse. And so when the people of Troy went to sleep that night, the people inside, the army men inside of the wooden horse got out of the horse, and they actually went and unlocked the gates of the city of Troy. And other Greeks who had fled had come back in the middle of the night. So they unlocked the gates and allowed the rest of their army to come inside. So, check this out. People were asleep. The people of the city of Troy were sleeping. And they woke up in the greatest battle that they had ever been in. And they lost the city that night and it ended the war. And just a few hours earlier, they thought they had victory. And now they were in defeat. Why? Because something that seems so small and insignificant actually was carrying something that was going to lead to their destruction because they didn't realize it was there. Hear me, church. Sin left unaddressed in your life actually is holding things that unlocks other areas that the enemy might come inside and defeat you because sin is sent from the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy us. It is not playing with you. See, I know, I know y'all love me. Remember, you love me. But our sin is not playing with us. It's not a game. Sin has come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's from the thief in the night. He is trying to destroy us through sin. And if he can't uh, destroy your salvation because you've believed upon Jesus, the next thing he can do is to keep you from God using an imperfect person perfectly in his plan. And he wants to keep you from God's best for you. Do you hear me, church? Now's a good time to say amen, okay? Just so I know, like, we're all together. I still love you. I love you, all right? But yes, we all have this sin. And it wants to destroy us. This is why God takes it so seriously. Because it's creating separation from us and him. And when he says, 
don't do something, it's not because he's trying to be a killjoy. It's because he's trying to say, don't let that sin hurt you. That's what he's saying. Don't let it hurt you. Because the scary part about sinful strongholds is that they can happen to anyone. Anyone in the room. If you leave sin unaddressed, it can create a sinful stronghold in your life. It does. This is, this is for all of us. I've had sinful strongholds. You've had sinful strongholds. Can we just all agree to agree? That we've all had sin that has become strongholds in our life. But can we also agree that the power of Jesus can overcome every stronghold. That it can break every sin. That it can break every curse off our life. And it can restore us to where God wants us to be. No one's exempt. No one's exempt. And even some of the best people in the Bible were not exempt. One of my favorite people in the Bible is Peter, the Apostle Peter. I mean, you know Peter, the one who's like, I will cut you if you talk about Jesus. And then he cuts you. It's like he was from Alabama or something. I wish somebody would get up. I wish a devil would because somebody's got a knife and will cut someone today because we're in Alabama. Peter was from Alabama. I just know it, okay? Like he had to be. He will cut you for Jesus. Peter, who left his family, his wife for Jesus. Peter, who, was, uh, who would speak up when everybody else was quiet. This Peter loved Jesus. He loved him. But sinful strongholds can happen to anyone. If you don't, let, if you don't address your sin, it can strangle you. And he had the fear of man in his life. He, it's so funny because you just wouldn't think that, but he struggled with this place of the fear of man. And we're going to pick up, and he's going to show us a progression to a sinful stronghold. And we're going to see it together so we can recognize it and learn from his mistake. Now, I want you to remember that Peter literally cut somebody's ear off for Jesus. He cut a soldier's ear off. They had come to get Jesus had been betrayed by Judas. They come to take him away. And this is the moment that Peter should be clinging to Jesus. He should be following Jesus. He had just told Jesus, I will never deny you. I wish they would come because I'm going with you. You know, that's what he's like. He just made these statements. And now the soldiers get Jesus and we pick up in the story. And it says, Peter followed Jesus as they're taking them away at a distance. And he came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and he sat with the guards. And he waited to see how it would all end. See, there's three things. Uh, don't, don't write this down just yet. We're going to come back to it. But three things we see here. Peter followed at a distance. He was close enough to see, but far enough away from where he, sh- where he should be. He wasn't where he should be. Then he went in and sat with the guards. He was with people he shouldn't be with. And he waited to see how it would all end. And this is the progression of a sinful stronghold. If you're taking notes, make sure you write this down. See, the progression of a sinful stronghold in all of our lives is one we start following at a distance. I should be over there with them. Instead, I'm over here by myself. It wasn't that you could even, even later, this is so amazing. A lot of us think that Peter was so far off that he couldn't even see what was going on. No, he was far away to where he could still see Jesus, but he was scared of what could happen to him. 
So he started following at a distance. And I need to tell someone with all the love in my heart, I love you. But I need to ask you, is sin causing you to start following at a distance, creating space between you and where you should be? Like, I don't, I'm in church, but I'm not in church like I should be. There's a distance there. I'm in church, but I'm not going to serve like I'm supposed to serve, like God I know is calling me to serve. I I love God, but there's a distance between me and God. I, 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 I pray, but there's not prayers like there should be prayers in my life. There's a distance. There's space between you and what God wants. This is the first step to sinful strongholds in your life. When you start letting there be distance between you and where you know you should be. You create space. And it looks innocent, but it's a Trojan horse. And inside... There's something really dangerous. In fact, the next step that starts to happen is you start lowering your standards. So Peter followed at a distance. Then catch this, he went and sat with the guards. Now he just cut somebody's ear off for Jesus. Like, no, no, you're not taking them. And now he's sitting with them. What is happening? What are you doing? He's not with the people or in the place he's supposed to be, he starts lowering his standards. And I've watched this with college students. I've watched it with high school students. I've watched it with adults and family. And like, we start following. It was just one time. And then all of a sudden, we start lowering our standard. And we think, you know, well, it's really not that bad. And things that used to be very black and white start to become gray. And we start to say, well, it's really not that big a deal. You know, you know, really, like, I mean, we shouldn't be judging. You know, we start to make excuses and we lower our standards. And he started to find himself around people, Peter, who he should never have been around. And then the Bible says that he waited to see how it would all end. He became passive in his purpose. Listen, church, look at me, look at me. Everybody look, every eyeball. I used to be a substitute teacher. Every eyeball, look at me. If you pull away, you start lowering your standard, you will become passive in the thing that God has called you to do. You cannot keep great faith, great hope, great love for God's purposes and not be where he has called you to be with the people he's called you to do it with. Now I love you. Can we say amen, somebody? Can we say amen? Hey, you know what? God has more for us. He has more for us, but we cannot let this happen. We can't let this progression happen. Because it leads us to a scary place. For Peter, he promised Jesus, I won't deny you. And then on that night, Jesus said, no, you're actually going to deny me three times. And so this boy comes up and is like, hey, aren't you with Jesus? He's like, no, don't know the man. And then some little girl, how'd you love Jesus? No, little girl. I don't know what he sounded like, okay? And then another dude's like, hey, aren't you? No, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because he had pulled away lowered his standards, and now he had become passive. And things, when you become passive, you wake, it's literally like you wake up and you're like, how did I get here? 
And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Remember, Jesus promised them, before tonight ends, you're going to deny me three, three, three times, three times. Remember that, three times. Unaddressed sinful strongholds will destroy you. Can you imagine as that rooster crowed and the realization of what had happened, how Peter felt? Some of you, this is a a hard message, to be honest with you. I love to be life-giving, and it is, and we're about to get to a lot of hope. But some of you, look at me, I love you, but the rooster's crowing. And right now, you know that you're in a place you should not be, doing what you ought not to do, and you're wondering, what about my purpose? I am so far from where I thought God wanted me. And today, there is hope. There is hope. Because Jesus wants us. He wants us. And he's made a way for us. The Bible talks about, there's certain numbers that really mean a lot. And the number three is very significant. In the scripture, the number three means harmony. A lot of times like unity, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're in complete unity with one another. It's like a harmony. Another thing the number three means is to the utmost. The angels are saying, holy, holy, holy are you God. Right? It's like to the utmost. Not only are you holy, you're completely complete holy. And so this is what the number three means. So it's a few things. One, it makes us realize that Peter, this wasn't just one off night, a bad night. There was a serious place of sinful strong. I think that's why he denied him three times. Because he was finding his unity in his sin. He was being unified with it. He wasn't cutting it out of his life and removing it. And it had completely, completely surrounded him. It become a stronghold in his life. But Jesus is good, y'all. It's just like Jesus to take a mess and to come in and make it right and to show us, hey, yeah, I know you denied me three times, but I'm about to come back and restore you because everything the enemy has took from you, I'm about to give you back and we're about to have victory together. And so Jesus comes. Yeah, you give God praise. He's the upside down God. He is from a kingdom that is not like our kingdom. And he comes uh, to Peter. And, and he has this moment with him. I want you to see this. Let's skip here. Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them. And he did the same thing with the fish. So what has happened is, uh, Peter, this is later, Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and now he's having a restoration moment with Peter. He's seeing Peter for the first time since all this has went down. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's really cool. The third time, and that, that's important. And then let's keep going. The th- and so he basically has this moment with Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, I love you. He's like, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I love you, Jesus. He says, feed my sheep. We pick up on the third time. The third time he said to him, Simon John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Three times because he said, Peter, I have come to completely restore our relationship. We are in complete unity with one another. I completely, complete forgive you to the utmost you're forgiven. 
I want to restore that relationship with you because he wants to turn the sin upside down in your life. And here's how it happens. We see it in the life of Peter. Write these down. First, you draw close to God and his people. Jesus restored his relationship with him and Peter, and he helped him have restoration with the disciples because he wanted complete completeness in this with Peter. And it wasn't that Peter would never make another mistake, but he wanted him to have freedom. The second thing that we see is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the moment, and we haven't got tons of time to talk about it, but I just need you to know, Everybody look at me. There is more for you than where you're at right now. You have not arrived. I have not arrived. There's still more God has for you. And the moment that we see clearly that like Peter just went from denying Jesus in front of little girls to leading thousands uh, publicly is he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just want to invite you that you can do these first two things. Here at Daystar, easily, in fact, next week we start small groups. It'd be a great time for you to jump into a small group and draw close to God and His people like you never have before. And in fact, if you want to do a freedom group, it's a great place to learn about all the freedom God has for you and even dive in deeper about how the Holy Spirit can be a huge part of that. It's incredible. (laughs) I would love for you to be a part of it. Don't stand at the back looking in. Come in close because God has more for you. There is so much more for all of us. Listen, I have a good marriage, but I can be married and never kiss Nikki. That would be silly and not fun, okay? Why would you do that? Why would you be married and never kiss? Why would you be a Christian? You can be a Christian and be saved, and God still has something more for you. He still has more freedom for you. He still has more victory to give you in your life. I'd love for you to see that. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and then remain faithful to the mission. This is the formula to turn your sin upside down and break the chains of strongholds in your life. This is the formula that God uses every time. Every time. Every time. It's not changing. He wants you to draw close to Him and His people. He's going to fill you with His Spirit. And he's going to set you on mission. As I wrote the Be Faithful to the mission, I felt like God just spoke to me. Faithfulness is determined by your persistence. (laughs) It's determined by your persistence. I just wish I had a few people that were, I ain't going to give up people. I ain't going to stop people. I'm going to press in and fight people. I am going to go for it, people. I'm telling you, we can change the world if we just had a few people who said, I'm going to be found faithful. I ain't going to stop. It's not that I'm not going to mess up, but man, I got a God who uses imperfect people perfectly. It's not that I'll never make a mistake, but greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And no mistake can separate me from the love that Jesus has poured out for me. Nothing will stop me. So here's God's plan for you. Everybody wants to know, what is God's plan for me? It's simple. His plan for you is to turn the world, your world, upside down. Turn it upside down. You're not a part of this earth. You're not a part. This is not your home. This is not your kingdom. You're from a heavenly kingdom. So you've got to start living upside down, different, backwards from what other people think. This is the story of Peter. 
This is who he is. He was, should have never been picked or chosen. Upside down kingdom. (laughs) Made so many mistakes, but was forgiven. Upside down kingdom. Failed in the grand. If you were ever going to mess up with me, maybe I think of myself as forgiving. But if you leave me after you told me you wouldn't, in the moment of my greatest need, y'all, I'll be honest, I might cut you off. That's what Peter did. Upside down kingdom. God brought him back. So it's no wonder at the end of Peter's life, he was still preaching the gospel. Still being faithful. Still loving. In fact, from every kind of text that we can read about Peter, he was eventually captured and put into prison. And he ministered to a lot of the guards in prison and had a lot of success still preaching this gospel. But he was abused and mistreated and eventually he was taken to Nero's circus to be killed. This is where they would take Christians and kill them horribly for their faith. And they took Peter to Nero and and they said, Peter, we're going to crucify you. If you love this Jesus, go be with him. And as they made him carry his cross and they got to the place to crucify him, the text says that everything we can read says that, that Peter had one request. He said, can you turn my cross upside down? Because I am not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. Of course he did. Because his life had been turned upside down. See, when Jesus turns your life upside down, you realize how unworthy you are of him. When you let God, it's such a backwards kingdom. (laughs) It makes no sense. But when he comes into your life, he turns it upside down. You want to turn the world upside down. And the more you turn things upside down, the more you realize how unworthy you are. The closer you get to him, the more you realize I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. It's just you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's not about me. I don't need any of the glory, any of the fame. And God, I'm not even worthy to die in the way that you die. I just love you, Jesus. I'm so unworthy and yet he calls us worthy and he pulls us close I'm talking to the person you have felt beat up by your sin you have felt destroyed you felt like your dreams are dead there is a chasm between you and what God's called you to do and you feel like you could never reach it or be there and I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God is here and active and is pulling you back and he says no there's more in you than you think you're greater in eyes than you think and I want to pull you back to me and I'm telling you even though you don't feel worthy I call you worthy and approved I love you 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 fully and completely you're completely complete in me We're in harmony with one another.
This is the Spirit of God. So what do we do with it? What do we do? Most of us, we're probably never going to die on a cross, right? I hope not. But it doesn't mean we don't have a cross. Because the Bible says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. This is the gospel. Promise you, if you hear nothing else, hear this. This is the gospel. Not that bad people become good people, but it's that dead people become alive again. And his call for all of us is to take up our cross and walk the path that he walked that doesn't make sense. It's upside down to the world, to what the world thinks, to what the world says, to what they tell us to do. It doesn't make sense. But we walk it because he is worthy. And the closer we get to him, the more unworthy we realize we are. But then the more accepted we see we are. It's upside down. You're part of the upside down kingdom. So here's my prayer for you as we close. It's one line found in the book of Hebrews. And it's simply this, that today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. See, sin tries to harden us. It tries to harden that place inside of us so we can no longer receive from God, hear from God, communicate with God, believe what God says, believe what the people of God are saying. And some of you, I feel this tension even now. As, I, as I'm talking to you, you think like, that's great, but you just feel like it couldn't be for you. There's a place in you, because that's what sin does. It tries our and strongholds, that's what it does in us. But I'm telling you that God's spirit can break every chain, break every stronghold, and he can make the hardest heart become soft and pliable again. And today, if you hear the whisper of God, stand at the door and knock if you'll hear me let me in there's more for you there's more for you there's more for you you're completely complete when you're found in me to the utmost